So we're at the end of Leviticus. Got me still? Yeah, sweet. Um, we're at the end of Leviticus. We're in Leviticus chapter 26 to 27. And um, I'm going to read 20, a portion of 26 uh, to start our time. So Leviticus 26, uh, 1 to 13 says this. You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and your grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I'll give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I'll remove harmful beasts from your land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I'll turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old old store long kept and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time that you've given us to um, study the book of Leviticus and uh, glean from it um, a better understanding of your character, uh, a better understanding of who we are, Um, and a better understanding of what Christ has purchased for us at the cross. And so, God, I uh, pray that you would encourage us this morning with this word. Um, Lord, that we would know where our hope is and that we would cling to that hope with all we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, this passage, these passages, sort of wrap up the end of Leviticus. The first section there, 26, which I read, is um, pretty typical, actually, for a, a covenant of this time. So, in the ancient Near East, there were many covenants that were written and agreements that were written. And they would list, very similar to the way Leviticus, very similar to the way the Old Testament is lined out, uh, they would describe who is the covenant maker and who is the receiver of that covenant, what are the terms of that covenant, and what are the blessings and curses for fulfillment or non-fulfillment of the covenant. And so that's exactly what's happening here. This is actually not unlike a covenant of other ancient Near Eastern cultures, it's that God has taken this structure, even literarily, 
and describe to this people a covenant that he, God creator, is making with them as a people. And so uh, we might find it weird that the end of this book ends with a list of blessings and curses or uh, blessings for obedience and uh, punishments for disobedience. Um, But that's actually very like uh, what a covenant of their time would describe. If you fulfill your part of the bargain, then this is what you will receive. And if you do not fill your part of the bargain, then this is what you will receive instead. And so this is not um, not atypical for what they would be familiar with, um, but it is uh, specified for the people of Israel. And so that's really what's happening here. The part I read is the blessings that the people of Israel read and what follows from 14 and a long list of punishments um, is, is the, you know, the typical punishments they would receive for disobedience. And on one side, in the blessings, you see uh, the reception of uh, fruitfulness and victory in the land that is given to them. And on the opposing side, disobedience will result in famine and exile and uh, a brokenness in the land. Many times, if uh, you're looking at the Old Testament and uh, reading through uh, scenarios like this, it can be very tempting for us in our uh, human framework to say, okay, uh, if I obey God, good things come. And if I disobey God, bad things come. It, It can be very Uh, easy to simply uh, equate good in life with us doing something right and bad in life with us doing something wrong. And I would challenge us this morning that that's not uh, always the case. First, we have to step back again and see what God is describing to the people of Israel. Uh, Leviticus has shown us that Israel is this object lesson of his character, of his power, his mercy, his holiness, his patience, his justice, his love. Like it is a demonstration of who he is and who we are as people. And throughout Leviticus and even in Exodus, uh, God has described how we are to worship him, how he is separate and holy. Um, what he has given us. And so there's all these um, symbols and themes that are going on. Um, And one of the things that he gives to the people of Israel is a land, is a place, a a little strip of land, really. I mean, it's very small in the the scheme of the world. Uh, A small strip of land along the Mediterranean is, is what he gives them. And so when we're thinking about um, this structure that he's given them, we have to step back in the context and understand what the elements uh, relate to. You know, the temple, right? We studied that and uh, the tabernacle and and studied how uh, that's a picture of our relationship with God. 
Now, in New Testament terms, we are the temple. We worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so uh, the the temple is no longer something we have to approach in some uh, timid and fearful way uh, with many sort of um, uh, processes in which we might be represented by a priest before us and all this. No, because of Jesus, we boldly go to the throne of God and worship him in his presence. And so uh, temple uh, relates to our restored relationship with our Father in heaven. We can commune with him. We can come and worship here uh, together in a coffee shop or there in your home or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so these things equate. Uh, the land... However, for the people of Israel, I believe, equates to our eternal presence with God, our our eternal life. And so when we're talking about uh, the blessings they will receive and the punishments they will receive here, we can't just blanket their uh, blanket obedience to good things and disobedience to bad things in life. The blessing of uh, the land and what the people of Israel receive in the promised land is really their inheritance that is described to them as they follow the Lord. And our inheritance that is described to us by Jesus and throughout the New Testament is eternal life with God. Not a land that is on this, uh, this big earth here, Right? We, we have no home here. There is no home on this uh, earth that is ours forever. He's not promising uh, another land for us. He is promising his presence to us. Uh, he's promising a relationship that is eternal to us. And so when we go back to the Old Testament, we hear of blessings and curses or blessings and punishments uh, as it relates to obedience. We have to be careful that we don't just equate uh, good things we receive with doing right and bad things we receive with doing wrong. It's very plain from the testimony of the New Testament that this is true. Paul describes his situation very starkly. And Paul, I think we can pretty safely say, uh, had Holy Spirit, was in perfect relationship, in, 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 a, in a right relationship with our Father in heaven. And, and yet he says this in Second Corinthians 4, 7 and following, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you." And when Paul records to rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, he's saying that from the depths of prison. 
And when Stephen testifies of what God had done for the Israelites and how he had brought them uh, out of slavery and provided for them and now uh, fulfilled all the prophets in Christ Jesus, the people stoned him. And so when we relate the Old Testament scripture to our own lives, we can't just simply blanket stay, say, well, if you do right, then you will get right. And if you do wrong, you will get wrong. Because it's not always that simple. There's some in-between that has to be felt by us, some tension that we have to live in constantly uh, that goes beyond our um, temporary perspective. You see, I would say it is true that when you apply wisdom and when you, uh, when you apply obedience to your life, you do reap good things. The, the Proverbs have not changed. You do reap what you sow. And so, you know, this past, uh, this past spring, we did this, uh, did this study with everyone, uh, you know, called Financial Peace University. And, you know, there's a lot of really good wisdom about managing your money uh, in Financial Peace University. And, and good things that you ought to apply, and, and actually very simple things that you ought to apply. And if you apply them, the result is that you do have a better concept, understanding of where your money is coming and where your money is going. And as a result, you can get yourself in a more stable position because you have better control over what God has given you to steward. And so, yeah, doing the right thing with what God has given you results in a better, improved circumstance. But it doesn't stop emergencies from coming. (laughs) It doesn't stop the car from breaking down. It, It doesn't stop the leaky pipes, you know. It doesn't stop a global pandemic, Uh, uh, when you're applying the good principles of wisdom from financial peace. It it doesn't stop these things. Wisdom does translate to success when there is available opportunity. But sometimes the circumstances don't result in, quote, successes. Paul and many of the early disciples were martyred. Can we say that any of them were in disobedience? No. Many of our brothers and sisters across the world are persecuted for their faithfulness to Jesus. Can, can we apply the Old Testament blessing of obedience uh, to them in the temporal way? No, we cannot. In fact, we'd, we'd be pretty prideful if we did so. And so when we look at this scripture of blessing for obedience and punishment for disobedience, we have to think of it in our application from an eternal perspective. Because our hope is not in this life. It's not in the circumstances in this life. It's not in, in the, uh, the, the achievements that we will find in this life. 
Our hope is eternally in Christ Jesus and the presence He gives us with our Father in heaven. And so our understanding of what we ought to receive from obedience and receive from disobedience is different than just circumstantial uh, retribution, so to speak. Rather, it is more like what Paul described in 2 Corinthians, which I read earlier. We're afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, the hope that Christ gives us is that whatever this world brings our way, the hope we have in Jesus is far greater than it. And so, yeah, we can endure any circumstance and still have the peace that comes beyond all understanding in Christ Jesus that guards our hearts and our minds. I've struggled with this quite a bit uh, this week and recently because like every many areas in our life right now uh, seem like they've got problems from, uh, you know, our, our car sort of on the fritz right now to a mouse hunt in our home, you know, uh, to uh, a spatial decision about the church and uh, all these different things. Like, there seem to me, like, we cannot, just cannot get ahead of these different things. And so I've struggled, oh man, Lord, like, are we receiving punishment? <laughs> is this your hand? Or is this something else? And the truth is, in the midst of all these things, um, while it's been worrisome and while things have been frustrating at times, when I stop and spend time with my Father in heaven and pray, I'm completely at peace with where He has us, with what He's doing, with His faithfulness in the midst of these circumstances, with His bigness. He is so much bigger than uh, my tiny problems and the bigger global problems that our world is facing. He is so much bigger. And so I can, you know, I'm not in any way, hear me please, not in any way trying to compare the minor uh, inconveniences, I think they're better called, um, that, that I'm facing to the true persecution and suppression that Paul was receiving. But I can relate to what he is saying when he says, uh, we hold this treasure in jars of clay. That is, we are weak <laughs> and can be broken very easily. But this surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. This is the light of the gospel. What God has given us 
is eternal. For these that we've studied in the Old Testament and Leviticus, God is demonstrating himself to the world through this people. And so as they obeyed him, they would flourish and the world would see, right, that their obedience resulted in a flourishing that could not be understood. But as they did not obey him, they would see that their God would bring down punishment upon them. Either way, in blessing being seen by the nations around or punishment being seen by the nations around, it was clear that the Lord was doing it. Eventually, the not to spoil it for you, but the disobedience of the people of Israel did result in exile, which is what we think uh, the ultimate punishment of the end of chapter 26 of Leviticus foresees. They would be pursued by their enemies, and the land would obtain its own Sabbaths that it was to receive under their stewardship. So a couple of things to go with from this. First, no, your hope is beyond your circumstances. Your Father in heaven is a good Father who loves you, cares for you, instructs you, But he's also paid for your sin by the blood of Christ Jesus. And so you can find your hope and strength in him always and every day. Just because things are difficult and hard and even strenuous and, um, and uh, difficult... <laughs> does not mean that he has somehow forsaken you. does not mean that he is punishing you. only means that you're living life. And life is not perfect. So instead, find your hope in something that's beyond your circumstances. Find it in Christ and what he's done for you. This pandemic, when we first started talking about the coffee shop, you know, we had a lot of questions about it and it was, felt like, okay, you know, what's going on with this? Feel very fragile. Yeah, like it seems like it's actually kind of deadly in its, uh, in its effect and, uh, and so there was a lot of fear, and there probably still is a, a bit of fear about what it is capable of. Um, and so there were a couple times I had conversations where, you know, I, I've kind of dealt with this, you know, like, um, if I die, I know where I'm going. <laughs> if COVID comes for me, and I, and I lose my life, 
then I'm in heaven with our Father. To live is Christ, and to die is gain, and I am with my Father in heaven, and, and that is a good thing. And it's that truth, that understanding we receive from our relationship with Jesus that gives us peace beyond the circumstance that we endure. It gives us an eternal hope that is beyond the temporary difficulties that this life will bring. And so stand in the eternal hope that God has given you in Christ Jesus. We have hope beyond our circumstances. Second, remember, um, there is truth that doing as the Creator has revealed to us is good for you. (laughs) Just because our hope is beyond our temporary circumstance does not mean the wisdom God has given us is not right to be followed, and is not good for our souls. Still, chapter 26, verse 2, is important. Whether or not, it says this, You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Just because we have eternal Grace from the Lord Jesus Christ does not mean we should not revere the sanctuary. Does not mean we should not keep the recognition that God is in control of our time, that God is in control of our lives through the celebration of rest and Sabbath. It is true, if we forsake the wisdom of God, we will reap what we sow. And so I just challenge us this morning to, uh, in spite of how, you know, digital we become, or uh, distance, whatever distancing measures we have to take, or uh, whether we have to wear masks in a, each other's presence or not, or, or all these type of things. I mean, if you step back in the scheme of it and remember, like there are people in other countries that are persecuted for even gathering, this is a very small thing. And so let us be steadfast and let us be tenacious in communing together, however that means, whether through this little Zoom technology or behind the mask of some kind, let us not forsake one another in the midst of our challenging times. Let us be more creative in resolving it. And though, uh, you know, I, I know some of you are spending a, a lot of time, most of your time maybe, at your house. Don't forsake the rhythm of resting Find a way to honor this time, set aside this time for the Lord. Let us have our hope in Christ 
and the eternal hope it brings. And let us follow closely the wisdom of Scripture and continually build our relationship with our Lord, seeking Him through prayer, trying to understand His Word each and every day, encouraging each other, loving one another, and gathering in whatever way we can, whether digital or physical or what have you. Let us seek the blessing of God, not circumstantially. Let us seek the deep, joyous blessing of the peace that comes from God himself and being right in relationship with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you that um, that you've given us life. You've given us life today and eternal, and you've given us a life that is not dependent upon um, ease and the lack of friction. You've given us life that is more powerful than circumstances and obstacles that come our way. A power that's surpassing those things beyond measure. So God, I pray that you would give us hope in the midst of challenging times, beyond what we see, beyond what we hear, beyond what we read in the news or wherever. Lord, give us life from your eternal perspective. May it continually transform our souls and change us to be more like you. God, we're grateful to be able to gather in whatever means you give us. And Lord, we pray you are honored in the time we set aside together to worship you and to proclaim your truth over ourselves and over one another and to pray for each other. God, I pray we would seek your blessing through obedience to your word and through trust and hope that is beyond our circumstances. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.